morning everybody, it is Monday the 5th of September, welcome to another morning meeting podcast and the start of a new week. We were up 29 points here this morning, now we're currently only up 6 points. Marcus, you did the weekend and overnight for us, can you take it away please? Uh, Yes, thanks, late night did. I did the weekend email, everyone's probably read that, but the rather amazing thing on Friday was we had that jobs number that everyone was worried about and we were looking for 300,000 jobs and it came in at 315,000 and the US market, the Dow Jones, jumped 370 points. It was up 370 points, quite thin volume ahead of, they've got a long weekend this weekend, but it was up 370 points. And then came through the news that Gazprom, which is that Russian state-controlled gas export company that runs the Nord Stream pipeline, which accounts for about a third of the gas that comes into Europe from Russia. They announced that they'd had a oil leak in a vital turbine and they had to fix it and that the gas pipeline, which had been shut for three days of maintenance, wouldn't be coming back on on Saturday as expected, but would be closed indefinitely. And that, of course, caused accusations of Russia weaponizing energy. But before that happened, and and the uh, US market fell 600 points, but before that happened, uh, European markets had closed and the stock 600 index was up 2%. Germany was up 3.3%. So suddenly we were responding to a better than expected or a not as bad as expected jobs number. Uh, But this Gazprom thing killed the US market, which then dropped 600 points to close down 338. Our Futures were down 16, as uh, Leighton said. Our market's been up 29 this morning, now sort of floating around up 10 or so. So our worries about, or our decreased worries about inflation and interest rates have been replaced by a new fear about inflation in Europe. And we are expecting gas prices to spike in the U in Europe uh, this evening. Yeah, and just on that, Marcus, I was reading something this morning, an English media article about this small cafe owner in Leicester in England. His electricity bill went up from £10,000 up to £55,000 a year. And in the same vein, there was a guy that runs a nursery in Essex whose electricity bill, he predicts, will go from £900,000 a year to £14.6 million a year, which would be okay, except he only turns over £5 million a year, growing aubergines cucumbers and other vegetables. But before you get too worried about that, these are the sort of things that happen at the top of an energy crisis. And you never know if Gazprom turns this pipeline back on, all this worry could go away very quickly. I read another strategist article talking about the need for nuclear energy and how that should be on every government's agenda and the need for every nation to secure its own independent supply of energy rather than be held to ransom by countries like Russia or indeed Saudi Arabia or indeed China. But prior to all that, the jobs number was well received. The chance of a 75 base point rate rise have dropped significantly over the weekend from 75% to 56%. So that was the impact of the jobs number and bond yields actually fell for the first time in ages. So without this Gazprom, think we would be worrying less about inflation and the markets might actually be forming a bit of a bottom but not to be for the moment. Plenty on the 
uh, diary this week. We've got the U.S. holiday tonight, so we'll have to have to take our lead from Europe, see if gas prices spike or not. We've got an RBA meeting tomorrow, 87% chance of a 50 basis point rate rise. We've got a second quarter GDP number in Australia on Wednesday. Expected to see an acceleration in GDP from 3.3% year on year last month to 3.8%. We've got a European Central Bank meeting on Thursday, 80% chance of a 75 basis point rate rise. And it is extraordinary if you think about it that in Europe they are seeing huge increases in things like energy prices. And yet here you are with the central bank having to raise interest rates to get on top of inflation. It's sort of counterintuitive, but there you go. Uh, A couple of ex-dividends today, Fortescue ex-dividend and Andrew Forrest takes home $1.369 billion from that dividend today. His shareholding's worth $19.6 billion. Also Ramsey Healthcare, Bendigo Adelaide Bank ex-dividend today, as is Altium, Iluca, NIB Holdings, Aurora Corporate Travel. And tomorrow we've got ex-dividend CSL, Sonic Healthcare, Origin, Northern Star Resources, Blue Scope Steel, Nickel Industries, Super Retail Group. That's Super Retail Group, dividends 6%, including franking. And that's about it on the overnight. So we are quietly waiting for the next lead. We almost stopped worrying about interest rates there for a minute, uh, but not to be just yet. Thanks, Marcus. I'll just carry on with a bit of our local market stuff there that you haven't covered. In terms of sectors, energy and gold stocks are leading the way this morning. We've got Evolution Mining up 3.7% and Woodside is up 3.1%. They go ex-dividend on the 8. We've also got Santos, Ampol and Wally all up around 2% each. Coal stocks are doing particularly well. Yan Coal is down 6.2% ex-dividend, but White Having Coal, Coronado and New Hope are all up at least 4%. And the materials sector is mostly in the green, held up by BHP, which is up 2%. But as you said, we've got Fortescue Metals, which is down around 5.5% as it goes ex-dividend today. The worst sector this morning is technology. Most stocks are trading lower there with Block. That's SQ2 down 3.4%. And there's some talk that Adore Beauty might be a takeover target for online retailer Kogan. You covered most of the items that we've got on the calendar, but I'll hand back over to you for strategy. Yeah, there's not too much to say on strategy. It remains the same. We are waiting for the bull market to return. It looked like we were had a chance of the market bouncing after that jobs number, but this Gazprom thing has killed it off for the minute. We'll see tonight whether that extends or ends, whether it's a storm in a teacup or a new market issue. But either way, if you look at some of the charts in the strategy piece, uh, we are not trending up at the moment and we are waiting for the bull market to return. On the back of that, the strategy portfolios in 50% cash, 51% cash at the moment, probably should be in 100% cash. And the ideas portfolio has been stripped all the way back to one stock, which is not really market sensitive, which is Oz Minerals, which is a bid situation, currently up 35% on that, waiting for the next development. At some point, and this is the strategy point today, at some point we are going to start looking through the current interest rate and inflation fears to the other side. It can't be that far away. The stock market always looks at least six months ahead. And in the next six months, inflation is going to peak in the US, if not Europe, if it hasn't already peaked, particularly in the US. And at some point, we're going to assume the peak in interest rates, which at the moment, the bond markets are suggesting that'll be April to June next year. And we're going to start looking forward to the cyclical 
cyclical bottom, a recovery in economic optimism and the bottom in the equity market and equity market sentiment. So it's hard to see that when you're bogged down in the daily detail as we are today. But if you stand back at some point, it will happen. We've just got to patiently wait for it. A pivot point will come. It's going to be a good opportunity to make accelerate the accelerated gains you usually make when one of these corrections ends in the initial rally. And we've just got to wait for that. Until then, uh, you're playing against the odds. And until then, we'll remain really quite unaggressive. In order to fill in on some strategy content today, you'll see an interesting chart of the ASX 200, a Renko chart. And there's an explanation of what Renko charts are. They're not time-based and they are designed to show pivot points in market trends and it's showing clearly that there's been a topping out in the ASX 200. And I've put in today some RSI buy and sell signals. We have Stuart McPhee joining us next Monday with his new technical trading section. And on the buy signals, there aren't many. In fact, there are almost none. But the German market, the DAX, was one. But that's probably going to reverse tonight, I have to say. And the other was the Magellan Global Fund, MGF. Interesting little bottom on that. And RSI sell signals, as you know, We sort of called the top on the resources sector in BHP last week as it went ex-dividend in the expectation that it was going to trend down for a while. So RSI sells signals, lots in the resources sector at the moment. BHP, Mineral Resources, Pilbara Minerals, South 32, Olchem, AKE, 29 metals, the copper price, the ASX 200 resources sector, the metals and mining sector, the materials sector, which is the resources sector, and the resources ETFs, resources sector ETFs, which are OZR and QRE. And all of those are reflecting that fall in BHP last week. Also, the fuel ETF, which is Global Energy, that's also got a sell signal, as has the CRB, which is the Commodities Index. Other sell signals around Treasury Wine Estates, Nick Scarly, Medibank, Monodelphus, Instec Pivot, IGO, Grain Corp, and charts of all those are in there. Uh, I've also had a quick look at Henry's small cap portfolio. The good news today is that gold stocks are having a little bit of a recovery. BBOS is performing rather well, up 8% today. That's the ETF that goes up when the market goes down. Right, that just leaves us with question of the day. Question of the day today after Father's Day yesterday is, what is your most memorable moment of your dad as a kid? I'll start us off. Uh, It's been a few times that we've been fishing together. But I remember one in particular when I was pretty young down at Lakes Entrance and he took me out and we were catching tuna and we caught lots of tuna and that was very, very memorable because I was a little kid pulling in big fish and it was very exciting. Cool. Cam? Um, Well, we always played cricket together at at Mentone Cricket Club um, and I'll probably say my most memorable moment would be um, debuting in the ones when he was captain when I was about 15, 16. What cricket club was it? Mentone. Well, that was seniors, so it was all ages, was it? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Dad was a wing commander in the RAF, and we used to love air displays. And there was one show where Dad landed a Lightning, which was the most powerful British aircraft in existence. It had two jet engines, one above the other, and you could stick it vertical and it just went up like a rocket. And I remember as a little kid sitting on the wing of this Lightning just before Dad got in it and this 
air display. I do think families should do routine things. I remember a, a friend of mine, Michael Mansfield, retiring from Geelong football, and he was very sad about it. And his, his dad said, no, Michael, you've got to understand that for the last however many years, you've given our family an excuse to get together and come to the football every Saturday or whatever day it was. Uh, and that has been far more valuable than your actual footy contribution. <laughs> and I do think that's true, that we all ought to have Sunday lunches or regular events with our family because it is uh, the, the pillar of your life is the security of your family and your tribe and knowing that you've got a moment with them all, I think, uh, works. Anyway, um, dinner with the family last night. And there we go. Now, now you make me feel bad. <laughs> well, you can always ring your dad now and say, do you want, do you want to have lunch? So, anyway, there we go. Have a good day, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you.